Welcome to the podcast that showcases the rural town careers and opportunities you need to know about. Welcome to What's Your 9 to 5. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 9 to 5 podcast. I'm Georgia. I'm Karis. And today we're interviewing Peter, who is a woodtop shop teacher here at Launchpad. So would you like to introduce yourself for us? Good afternoon to you all. What else do you want to know right now? <laughs> um, do you want to just start off by like talking about what you do? Here at Launchpad, we have a series of courses that are running. Um, we do some that are for people who are looking to get into a career in furniture making, and this is usually production furniture. We have ones for 15 to 17 area year olds who are looking to have a bit of a feel for whether this is something they want to explore further on in life. And we have um, younger people in the 12 to 14 year range who are looking for a night um, entertainment, if you will, but who also want to get comfortable with the machinery. Uh, In due course, we'll also be looking at how we can explore other avenues for people who are interested. My own background is not with any of these things. I actually came up through the fine furniture field, but I have enough experience with those other areas and have developed those on my own time so that I'm now able to give a pretty good grounding on all of these aspects. Oh, wow. So how did you get into woodworking? Well, I was in finance for a very long period of time, and when I was finishing up with that, it occurred to me that Uh, given I had time to think about this, that I had always just moved money from point A to point B and never actually created something. I had an opportunity to join one of the only three fine furniture schools in the world, and this one was in Tasmania, Australia. So I went down there to explore the opportunities and signed up for that. It was a very intensive course that ran six-week tranches all the way through two years of 80-hour weeks. And... um, and the nine of us that were in that school uh, graduated with a degree at the university down there by a matter of coincidence that wasn't what it was originally intended for. So now I am a bespoke furniture maker for those people who want a one-off piece or an accompanying piece to something they already have. We make things to suit people, but also as a result of um, the approach by Launchpad, we also make production furniture and we'll speak about that in a little while. Okay, so are there different types of trades that deal with woodworking? Yes, very much so. The uh, the obvious one that everybody would know about would of course be the construction trade. Um, this is a very intensive, very labor, labor laborious uh, function. Um, it's for those that are reasonably fit and the returns can be quite good at the moment. I don't know if you've been aware, but the salaries for these young folk have gone up quite quite well in more recent times. Then you've got the furniture production furniture making side of things. There's also the timber milling side of things, and then there's the fine furniture side of things. And on top of that, there is also those that integrate various um, materials into Things. So, for argument's sake, the, the tables that you're now looking at are made of steel and laminate. That is a piece of furniture that would be made by somebody who has woodworking skills as equally as somebody who does not. But if you have woodworking skills and you do have a desire to learn, then you'll be snapped up by any furniture maker that could have the pleasure of having it. 
Did you want to do woodworking for most of your life, or? Obviously not. The uh, <laughs> the the early years, um, I was as I said, I was in finance for many years, and I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where I could be career streamed and learn on the job all the way through. I then progressed from uh, one tranche of that to another all the way through, um, ultimately ending up in the financial markets side of things. And it was from there that I um, decided that given that that role was becoming a sunset position because of the nature of the business that I was in, that it was time to have a look around and see what else I wanted. And the idea of creating something was very appealing to me. Um, All my life, all I had done is moved from John to Fred to Bill and never actually said, here's something that I can be proud of that I've actually put up in real space. So that was the attraction for me. And you talked about doing, you know, finance um, in the beginning, but if there's anything else that you could do, like what would you do? I think this is, I think I've been incredibly fortunate myself. A lot of people don't have that advantage and I would encourage anybody to explore those opportunities as they come forward. And if they don't come forward, press for them to come forward. Try new things, um, encourage yourself to have a go. The worst that can happen is it doesn't work. If you could go back in time and talk to your 16-year-old self, is there anything that you would say? Or? Nothing comes immediately to mind. I would suggest that most 16-year-olds honestly wouldn't understand or recognize their 25-year-old selves, let alone um, further years down the track, I won't mention my age. Um, <laughs> I think the one thing I would do would be just for everybody, just don't be scared to have a go. Um, As I said, think about what your strengths are, work within those strengths as much as you can, but encourage yourself to to do a stretch objective every once in a while and say, is this where I'm really, where I'm heading? Is this where I really want to go? Or is this kind of in the way that I really want to go? And see what's around that. See if you can't push that in the direction that you really like to be doing. Um, and you, you're giving advice to like your younger self. Is that like the same advice you'd give to somebody who wanted to go into woodworking? Absolutely. I would never tell somebody who was going into woodworking to just explore that. Um, here at Launchpad, the people are very fortunate in that they can try welding and woodworking in the same tranche of courses. I would thoroughly encourage that because there are so many things you can do with wooden steel now and there are some vast money makers and the one that comes immediately to mind is um, gates for mansions which use iron and steel and wood and other things in them. Um, For ourselves, for instance, we don't exclusively use wood. We also use PowerShell. Um, People in the industry also use uh, exotic minerals, um, jewellery, silver, gold, in woodworking pieces. So don't be shy about exploring other opportunities or saying, "This, this piece that I'm looking at informs me on what can be done. Perhaps I can change this so that it is something that I could do that is mine and becomes a signature piece for me. In woodworking, there's no such thing as a patent in real terms, so it's perfectly fine to borrow an idea from somewhere else, develop it in your own way, and bring it forward. Do you have a type of wood that you prefer working with out of all the woods that you work with? In this country, very much it would have to be um, figured maple, but globally we source our uh, timber from everywhere. So 
the the South American woods, Purple Heart, um, the ebony from Africa is beautiful, uh, rosewood, tiger wood. There are so many, and the thing that people don't realise because they see maple, walnut, uh, oak, and cherry is that wood comes in every colour apart from blue. So you can do some amazing things just with the natural colour. We never, ever, ever colour our timbers. We always let the colours speak that are already in there because we don't want to dupli- try and duplicate something that is already stunningly beautiful. The other thing we do is we look at a piece of timber and as you would when you're sculpting, say, what does this want to be? So we won't force it to do something if it looks like it's something else. Um, there are examples of that that I could bring to mind, like there was a little ripple in a piece of rosewood that looked a bit like a spider, so it became a section on a, um, a picture frame. So oh, it looks wow. like there's a spider on the edge of the picture frame, but it's in the wood. Wow. It looks absolutely stunning. Yeah. So um, there's things like that that you could say, okay, we get what this is, what we, what opportunities we can get from this, and we're using them to our advantage. Yeah. Um, is there a project you enjoy working on or teaching more than others? In terms of the teaching, I we've done a series of picnic tables here. Um, that was a production run that was designed for both Launchpad and also for the local councils here. One of the things about it is that there is a repetition process that's going on that is equivalent, if you will, to what the furniture um, production people in this area are looking for. So it gives them a skill that they're familiar with them with but it also gives the students the gratification of seeing this whole mass of things coming together all at once. When we do them we've done eight at a time, four at a time, we're currently about to do ten at a time. Once with the welding group we did a group of four that were part metal and part wood. Um, Those I believe will be a big hit. Um, But there's things like that where we're doing a production. We're also starting a process right now which I think is absolutely wonderful, where each of the students, and I'm talking the 17-year-olds, are making a birdhouse that is a replica of their their own house. Oh, wow. wow. So they bring in a picture of the thing, or we Google, uh, map it, and we look at the front. And so each, at the moment, there's nine individual birdhouses just about to be finished down there. And that's a process that I want to continue with every single class that we do. Because it's something that they can take home and say, this is something I did, not this is something that we as a group did that was a production model, but this is personal to us. Um, Do you have a funny or interesting story from teaching? No. if there's anything funny about the teaching that I do, I suggest that you talk to the students. We, I, I am, I am very cautious about the equipment that we use, and I make that absolutely clear from moment one. But you are there to have fun at the end of the day, and we have a giggle and a half down there. There's no question about it. Yeah. But it's within a framework where we are serious about the equipment and we are serious about our safety. So the one thing that gets drilled into everybody is safety first. Um, and that's all that matters is the only thing I care about is you. I don't care about the wood. I don't care about the building. Um, if anything happens to you, that's where we have to draw the line. So we always make a point of, is everybody here going to be safe? The equipment that we use there is absolutely safe. But there's always somebody somewhere in the world who's done something that they shouldn't have done. One of the things I impress on our people is that the table saw is the most dangerous piece of equipment in the world, but it's only because there are so many of them out there and people lose attention and do things that they shouldn't be doing with them. 
We have never, ever, ever had any accidents here, and I'm intending to keep it that way. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the safety and the dangers of woodworking? The well, if you're in a um, if you're in the a business here, and you know we've been fortunate to take groups down to West Furniture as an example, the equipment they have down there leaves no room whatsoever for safety issues, and that's because they'd be sued for it if anything happened. So all the equipment, all the blades, everything in there is absolutely closed in so you can't get to them. For ourselves here I do the full occupational health and safety. I also do the St John's uh, course for them in short form just so that they're aware of it and I also tell them what to do in case of an emergency. Um, as I said nothing's ever happened. The only other thing we tell them is no food or drink in the workshop under any circumstances um, and if you are not feeling well for any reason, and your attention is not 100%, do not try to do anything. Walk away from the machinery. You can still be in there, you can be doing other things like glue-ups or whatever the heck, but um, don't use machines. It's simply not worth your, your health. Yeah. So we try and keep everybody 100% safe before we even think about doing anything else. Um, what's your favorite thing about teaching? You should see the glow in their eyes. It's it's a joy. Yeah. You know this we I've been talking to some of these kids and they um, one's been on a cook line, uh, some have been to McDonald's and it's like all right I'm doing this for my two credits yeah. or whatever. Um, but here they're actually learning real life skills and they're having fun while they're doing it and I try and make it equivalent to what they would experience if they were in the real world with real bosses who can be horrible at times and will yell at them because they're doing stupid things. Mm -hmm. So I try and make it a more real experience than what you would get if you were somewhere else. Um, we also try and encourage um, thinking very much and innovation and what if type questions. So my background is basically pretty much everything insurance tax um, accounting finance the list goes on and on so for me I give them everything that I've got if they've got the heart to listen and the the thing that was said to me recently is that if you're not prepared to learn nobody can teach you if you do want to learn nobody can stop you and I think that's very real for what we're teaching in here this yeah. is not like a part of school this is so much better yeah. And Launchpad should be congratulated for putting this on. And you talked about the birdhouses and the um, picnic tables. Would you say those are your most memorable projects, probably? We haven't done too many more at this stage. Um, the birdhouse idea was, I, I admit it was mine, but it's been met enthusiastically by everybody concerned. So um, from that point of view, I'm very lucky that 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 was the case. Um, we do other little things, but really what I'm trying to do is develop a curriculum that allows people individuality but also teaches them basic skills. Now to go further with that we also built a half wall, this is construction, so it's got studs and top plates and bottom plates and all this and a window so that the guys could understand how construction works and that was built so that um, a course that was going to be run here for electrical trades they could actually run the wiring on the wall so they'd have a bare wall to work from. Um, but it certainly taught these guys something that they wouldn't have got anywhere else. And now that they know that, 
honestly, they could put together a house. This isn't a problem for them. Um, I also teach them the benefits of tiny houses, and I have built tiny houses. I can teach how to build tiny houses. I can show you the economics of why you'd want to build a tiny house. There's all these aspects. So this is a developing curriculum, and as people say, yes, we'd like to know more about this, we will put it on. Well, um, that's all the questions we have today for you. Um, thank you for coming out. Thank you for um, agreeing to do this interview with us. It was, it was really fun. Thank you for being here also.